1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. It's good to be with you again, Father, and good to be with all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Yes. Um, Father, as we're recording this, it's now August, and we have just come off of one of the great Iowa celebrations of the summer. Um, You know, if you're not from Iowa, you might not know about this, but there is the... The um, annual Ragbri event.
0: Ah, Ragbri. Exactly. What does that stand um, for,
1: Father Shane? Well, let's see. Let's oh, see if you I know can it? do it. Isn't it the Registers' annual great ride across uh, okay. Iowa? Bike ride across Iowa. Great ride. bike ride across, across Iowa. Yes. yes,
0: from river to river. And do you know about the uh, tradition of dipping the tires? Yes, you yeah. got to dip a tire in the, Miso- the Missouri. The back tire in the Missouri and the front tire in the Mississippi when you get right. there. So, how long has it been going on? Do you know? I think it goes back to the seventies, but yeah. I, I mean, so it's it this. Here. It's not a race. It is like a. It's not exactly it's a social casual. outing, casual. Yeah, I mean, it's like you gotta like ride like fifty miles a day or whatever, ride a bike across the entire state of Iowa from right. river to river because our state is beautifully nestled in between the Missouri and the Mississippi River. Right. Um,
1: Organized by the Des Moines Register originally yes, in nineteen seventy-three, a newspaper
0: in Des Moines. Right. Yes.
1: There you go. And this draws, uh, I think the when I talked to some local police enforcement because it started just south of Sioux City in Sergeant Bluff, Iowa. This year they were expecting between eighteen and twenty thousand bike riders. Yes, uh, and so for all of you not familiar with Iowa, that's those are accurate numbers. Like there's literally eighteen thousand bike riders going across the state In for a, a week. whole week. Yeah, um, and and it's a it's a big unveiling every year as to what the towns will be, what the route, is, the yeah. route is, and what overnight towns will be hosting these people with just tents and campers everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you imagine a town of ten thousand residents mm-hmm. like. Lamar's Storm Lake, uh, you know Spirit Lake, whatever these towns are in our diocese, and then just in a moment, in an instant, twenty thousand people just descend on the town, right, and take it over, and bikes are everywhere, and. So I had an experience. Did you ever experience like all of the bike riders starting in Sioux City as you were growing up, or as you've lived here?
1: I've been around it. I, I can't say I've ever done it, but I've always been around it, and it's a lot of fun. And friends go, yeah. and then and people go out and evangelize. Oh you yeah, know, they'll pass out holy cards, pray with people, pass out miraculous churches. Medals, often when they when they get come the spaghetti dinner absolutely. going,
0: absolutely spaghetti dinner. Yeah. Um. So when I was in high school. RAGBRAI actually came through my hometown of Verina, mm. my town of 65 people wow. on C49, <laughs> the county blacktop okay. for a breakfast stop. Oh. So there was an official Ragbri vendors who, you know, applied to get it. So groups from Stormlight came and the main drag main street of Verina, there's six streets. So it was like a big shoehorn. You just came in on one street, went down main street, popped out the other street and then went back on the highway and made your way to Pocahontas or whatever, 30 minutes down the road, 30 miles. Okay. Um, it started at like 6 a.m. Mm. People started rolling in. So we didn't want it. My parents uh, and my and uncle who lived across the street, they wanted to do a little booth. Well, they didn't want to have to pay for like a vendor's registration. Well, we were just one block off of uh, the main drag of Rhina. So I stood at the corner, um, and I happened to have a – I play trumpet. I happened to have a, a bugle that I bought at uh, like an antique store at um, – wall drug, okay, that same summer when we went to the Black Hills. And I stood in the corner, and I was playing, like, Charge and Revelry and stuff on this Bugle. And I had, at one point, this stream of thousands of bikers coming down our street instead of going down to the main drag. And coming by. We also, um, I don't, I never learned how much my family actually, like, made off this little venture. It, I think it paid for vacation for the next year because... Yeah. We went to buy, they said pie was the was the thing that you need to sell on RAGBRAI. Because these bike riders, they, they kind of party in the evening and then they like get up and they want to experience like sweet corn, pie, these kind of Iowa.
1: They probably need something in their stomach. And they do. And there's they large some, al- amounts of alcohol consumed. There so. is,
0: yeah. And they need the carbs, I think, to keep them running. Right. So we went to uh, Fairway, a local Iowa grocery store, as many of our listeners would know. And one of the brands of pre-made frozen pies was changing, I think- the label or, or their logo so these pies were on sale for two dollars a pie we oh. cut them into six slices and sold them for two dollars a slice okay instant profit all right um wonderful and so we had it we had it just rocking but we had yeah twenty thousand people in varina the last thing i'm gonna say about rag bright is then i mean it was like 6 a.m to like 10 and then boom everybody was gone mm-hmm. nobody was there just like big piles of trash you had like water bottles and stuff so my brother and i look like these redneck kids we're just like walking around our town and there was a big pile of kind of the trash and stuff, trash bags. Well, there was a, a like a popped bike tire on the rim. So we're standing on Main Street just like seeing how far we can roll this to each other down Main Street because there are no cars or no people. Small town entertainment. Small town entertainment, right? We're finding like $20 bills in the grass, all this stuff. A guy comes rolling in at like 1 p.m. He had clearly partied a little too hard the night before. He was a little delayed. The first question that he asked, he, so he sees these two redneck kids just throwing a bike tire down the road. And he says... First question, is there a bar in this town? (laughs) No. Sorry. And this is Verona. We didn't even have like a pop machine at the time. Sure. Is there a gas station? No. (laughs) Then I said it would be a long ride at Pocahontas, and then he just kept going. So he slept in a little too late and missed he, everything. He missed the fun. The festivities.
1: Well, um, way to go in advertising the family pie sales. I'm glad that paid for, you know, all the family bills for the next right. three years or yeah. whatever.
0: And I hope I can kind of, you know, continue to blast the proverbial bugle to really, you know, invite men to uh, consider vocation of the priesthood.
1: Well, you good luck right. with that. Thank you let you. us know how that goes. <laughs> all right. Hopefully they're not writing up in you know an inebriated state as they seek an application to the seminary. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Um, you know, we do have people come nationwide. There are some professional bikers who come and do this every year. Uh, we've had news articles here recently about uh, the New York fire department that sends a team out every year. It's kind of become like an annual thing for them. Um, so f- we are happy to welcome people worldwide who come for, for, uh, yeah. for rag Bri, plus all the locals who just kind of make it a family event or a, a fun, fun fun reunion with all of their their friends. Um as Ragbry is such a good Iowa Midwest tradition. Whoa, here
0: comes the segue. You here ready for this the people? Segue. Here it comes
1: I wanna talk about um, since we are a, a Midwest Catholic based podcast, I wanna talk about something that's kind of rooted in Midwest culture today. Oh we're gonna I am here for that. We're gonna Tell get me. into our roots here. I want to talk about Midwest nice yes, and our speech as Iowans. You know, sometimes you hear this, Iowa nice, Minnesota nice. Everyone is just so nice and friendly Midwest, in the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, and I want to dig into this a little bit and look at its pros, maybe look at its cons. How do we understand really the nature of speech, particularly from a Christian perspective? Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. This just kind of came to me this morning in the midst of my running around. Um you know, here in the Midwest. As you, as you probably wanted to bite someone's head off last couple of days. Like, Thank you.
0: Yeah. No, I would love to do that. Right. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, please. Yeah. No, I just love
1: that. Thanks. Yeah, so maybe this is maybe this is manifesting my own conscience <laughs> yeah. here. I'm not quite sure. Uh, or just the, the subconscious is projecting I mean, Father anyways, Shane's issues that's here. That's why we do a podcast. Anyways, Midwest speech. Midwest nice. Uh, I was recently in a conversation with a woman who's from the East Coast And she was just kind of saying, you know, yeah, you know, I was addressing this issue with some colleagues, and of course, they just sat and listened and nodded at me and didn't want to address it because, you know, all Iowa nice and everything. And she was just really calling out, like, in that particular moment, there was a real lack of freedom, there was a real lack of exchange uh, in getting the issues out on the table, and and she just kind of felt hindered by that. And she has, you know, no problem just kind of sharing her thoughts. Um, You know, here in the Midwest, and you tell me if you agree with this analysis, but the Midwest, um, in terms of European roots, is primarily Northern European, mm-hmm. and just ethnically, that tends to, pre- you know, present more reserved people mm-hmm. uh, who are not quite a, kind of as quick to share their emotions. Um, the East Coast tends to have a lot more Latin-based communities: Greeks, Italians, Spaniards, Portuguese who are much more just free flowing uh in mm-hmm. you know and, and very open about their feelings <laughs> their and hand their emotions and with lots their, of gestures yeah, you know gesticulating wildly yes um which is great uh and there there's a there's a fun um there's a fun atmosphere that comes with that if you have ethnic roots kind of south of the Alps and here in the upper plains you know we're much more kind of a of a northern european um there's a res- co- yeah there's a reservation to Perhaps how, yeah, how
0: emotions are shared or how discourse is handled. Mm -hmm. There's a respectfulness, right? There's Mm -hmm. kind of a, um, yeah, a dignified maybe, yeah, respect that comes sometimes.
1: Right. And I I, I suppose on one level that's really good, right? Um, I don't know, was it Jefferson who said you know, better to keep your mouth closed rather than to open it and prove yourself to be a fool or better to keep yeah. your mouth closed and look like a fool rather than to open your mouth and prove it or something right. like that. I forget exactly if it was Jefferson. But the point is, you know, um, there, there can be there can be a real value to kind of having reserved speech uh, to not always kind of just launching into uh, every opinion that's on the front of your mind, whether it's welcome or not, um, or even just kind of... Uh, you know, getting so um, worked up in our speech that we can kind of take on a really aggressive or hostile personality. You know, what what comes to mind is uh, Proverbs 15. You know, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools sprouts folly. Um, And even our Lord kind of shows us a lot of this. You know, in in Mark's gospel, when Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate at his trial, Mm -hmm. you know, he remained very quiet he he could have just, you know, as gods, you know, started snapping his fingers and miracles could have been dazzling Pilate and his court. Um, and with his knowledge, you know, he could have intellectually body slammed Pilate on a number of different arguments. But he allowed himself very quietly to enter into the moment and let his peace and his serenity speak volumes before Pilate, all the while knowing he wanted to hand him himself over uh, and not save his own skin. He wanted to hand himself over as the new Paschal Lamb for our redemption. I mean, there was a plan to all of this. Yeah. He wasn't trying to dodge punishment or dodge, you know, any particular capital punishment that Pilate could have uh, given him. Mm-hmm. But the way he handled himself was was quite reserved, um, you know, and, and allowed uh, an unfolding of circumstances around him to occur which on face value looked like they were you know, really getting beyond his grip. But, of course, he was in control the whole time as he handed himself over to the father in this great gesture of love. So I, I do think that there's a value, and I'm not just speaking of my own personality, which tends to be pretty diplomatic. I do think there's a value to kind of the reserved speech and not being so quick to act, so quick to speak, that all of a sudden we regret what could be flying out of our mouths. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: It does, and I just want to, you know, I think now, particularly right now, maybe it's as millennials grow up, but um, there's been a lot of really funny comedy made about calling out this kind of the upper Midwest culture that often is just, it's like a large, there's a number of states that kind of fit into the big Midwest, but especially the kind of upper Midwest with Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, like uh there's this youtube channel you betcha i think i mentioned it before where it like plays off of the accent it plays off of the kind of passive aggressive midwest nice stuff it just plays off of it and i think many people who've seen the kind of interesting coen brothers movie fargo right that plays off of it to an extreme right where the uh, the main character uh, oh what are, what's her name I forget, nancy or something I'm like that i'm drawing a blank yeah, yeah yeah her husband keeps saying her name all the time but it there's the there's the like it it you cannot help but cringe at this experience of the, the Asian guy who's trying to like have this date with her. And she's like, yeah, no. So, right. and that, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. All right. Like, and she wants nothing to do with this guy. Right. But what's often um, that I've noticed with myself and some growth that's come over my time and formation, the capacity to yeah, remain silent before maybe a question that's present or a conversation or a, Difficult situation, or would be easier to like fly off the handle um, or to sit silently in prayer um, and not just fill it with a lot of space a lot, or a lot of noise. Um, I don't actually find many people who are so there's a reservation and a passive aggression, but it's often filled with a lot of just kind of meaningless kind of chatter, right? Mm-hmm. That's the I, I joke all the time. It's like this Midwest filler, you just add like and that, so. <laughs> just in the midst of everything, uh, and this isn't called my grandma, but we do it all the time, and we, mm-hmm. she's, a, yeah, and so yeah. in that, so, uh-huh, yep, so <laughs> anyways, so in that, and um, well, yep, so, so all right, there's just a lot of filler that's because we're uncomfortable with the kind of silence that's there, we're uncomfortable with the reality of a situation, we wanna push away whatever the feeling is, whether it's a strong emotion or whether it's uh you know, like a feeling of sadness or nothing's happening here. We just want to push that away as as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. We want to be passive-aggressive in the in the face of something that's difficult, but then in a moment that's just uncomfortable or kind of cringy, we want to just cover that up with as much um, niceties as we can. Mm-hmm. Both of those things just avoid the reality that's in front of us, mm-hmm. right? Jesus wasn't avoiding the reality of his passion that he willingly accepted that he stepped into, right? He wasn't... He wasn't just ignoring the emotion that was happening, right? As he experienced the agony in the garden the night before. He wasn't ignoring this. He wasn't passively aggressive in it either. He was standing in the face of the reality um, accepting it for what it was. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Mark's gospel talks about Pilate being amazed at how silent Jesus remained. Because you would think anyone who's just moments away from a potential capital punishment sentence would just be spewing out any excuse they could come up with to try and save their own hide. And and the composure that Jesus exhibited must have just totally amazed uh, Pilate. Mm. So you're right. I think there is, a, there is a value to stay recollected and prayerful. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, it's not helpful, as you're pointing out, because it can come across as passive-aggressive, and it can come across as... Um, not actually getting into the real issues, not acknowledging the feelings and the emotions attached to certain situations. Yeah. Um, not acknowledging just the the uh, the charity that should be given to relationships. You know,
0: I've noticed this particularly with funerals. Um, and it's tough because, yeah, we grieve in different ways from the different backgrounds we've come up with. But I've just noticed so often there's, there's been a few really powerful funerals of um, younger people younger people, younger children, younger parents, um, where people actually linger at the cemetery for a moment because normally it's just, it's so, like, streamlined nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's no space for really, like, showing any of that emotion. It's Mm kind of like you just keep it nice and stern in the moment and then just kind of move on as quickly as possible um, so you don't have to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in that space. Sometimes I wish there was a little bit more freedom with our, kind of upper Midwest, upper or Northern European like roots, that there would be a capacity to be able to actually share what you're feeling. Right. um, So as to love and be loved, right? in community with others. Right.
1: Well, and you say that as someone who's pretty extroverted and there's a beauty to kind of your temperament and your, um, your personality. But when you look at kind of the roots of Germans, Poles, even the English with a stiff upper lip, you mm-hmm. know, it's Lithuanians, Scandinavians, Don't forget the Irish, the Irish. Well, the Irish, you know, eh, it's yeah, it it kind depends. of a mixed bag. The Irish, they know how to have a bleeding heart. That's right. And they're not afraid to kind of enter into that, especially with poetry, mm-hmm. with tavern music, all That's that right. kind of song. Uh, um, <laughs>
0: As you watch Jimmy Fitzsimmons and I just like have a conversation, <laughs> Just like, I'm tired over here just watching.
1: that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? We started rattling off. Anyways, there, there is um, there's a beauty and a value to kind of that, that extrovertedness to say, I actually want to share my heart here, and I want to be authentic with you, and I'm in a position of receptivity, and, and I'd actually like to know what's going on in your heart. I remember getting called out uh, by this from a Southerner at the NAC once. I was studying at the North American College in Rome. There was a guy from the Deep South, and, you know, he just asked me my opinion on something and I just kind of gave a diplomatic <laughs> answer and he goes, no, I want to know what you think, yeah. you know, it like, please contribute to this conversation. And I was just playing it a little too safe and he yeah. called me out on it huh. um, because, and I think what he was realizing is, you know, if we're going to have a genuine exchange and we're actually going to address this topic, or if we're just going to have a genuine and authentic relationship, there has to be a give and take. And we always have to, and we have to move beyond niceties, and and I think it can, you know, it can be difficult because, you know, when we're in small talk, you know, you could be just like, hey, how's your summer going? And maybe a family says, oh, well, we just had the best summer. We've always wanted sure, to take, in sure,
0: yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah sure.
1: But they might say, well, you know, we took our kids to Disneyland. We've always wanted to take our kids to Disneyland, and it was the best ever. And every family should go to Disneyland. And you sit there and say. Oh, that's great. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, great. every family should go to Disneyland. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're just so right. Great. Yeah. Oh, and in wow. the back of your mind, you know, not every family is going to go to Disneyland. Mm. They're not, they might not be interested. They might not be able to afford it. It just might not be their thing. You might even think it's a bad idea right. to go to Disneyland. So all the time we just sit there, and I, I wonder if we actually are cognizant of how often we affirm mm. so many different viewpoints just in small chatter. You know, it could be about politics, it could be about culture, it could be about cuisine, it could be about travel. In the name of tolerance or whatever. Or or just politeness. Yeah. Um, And it's fine if it's just small talk and you're just kind of shooting the breeze. But I wonder if we really catch ourselves, for the sake of truth, and not that we want to be aggressive, not that we want to be contrarian, uh, you know, and just be a stick in the mud and have to disagree with everybody, but do we allow ourselves to uh, to agree with people, you know, out of authenticity, or do we allow ourselves to charitably give a different opinion uh, for the sake of truth? And actually, you know, knowing that if I give this person the truth, that's actually a sign of charity towards them, or I'm not just pacifying them with telling them what they want to hear right now. Oh yeah, right. Like for the sake of truth, is it is it? Do we really catch ourselves enough when we should be offering more in truthfulness? Yeah, I think just lastly I want to
0: maybe offer a shout-out to one of our seminarians, actually. I think Tommy Kolash, I don't know if he listens or not, but we uh, at like 3 a.m. when we were driving back from North Carolina from our Quest trip, we were like you know, driving the lead car, uh, trying to keep each other awake, drinking coffee, listening to music. But Tommy does such a wonderful job when I just like open my mouth and just say a bunch of stuff. He'll pause and he'll say, oh, like tell me more about that. Mm -hmm. Or like, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. Or why do you think that? And, he, and it's like, it's it's jarring for me because people are used to just, I find myself often with, with families or different situations, people are looking to the priest to kind of carry the conversation or they might not have much to contribute. So there's mm-hmm. kind of a father, tell us about this thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unless um, I fall into what I was always, you know, kind of gently corrected in seminary of dominating table conversation or anything. But I appreciate Tommy invited me into this deeper recognition and awareness of why am I saying what I'm saying? And, when I'm sharing something, am I actually sharing it for the sake of, um, yeah, trying to honestly communicate what I'm feeling, experiencing, or is it just to kind of fill some space mm-hmm. or fill some, uh, you know, kind of conversation, just affirming whatever that other person might think. So right. shout out to him because that always challenges me to be more attentive, more
1: aware, but then to say something with, with more purpose. Absolutely. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Father, it's good to be with you. I just want to encourage all of our speakers, you know, as Paul says in Ephesians four, to speak the truth in love. Mm. We need to do that especially culturally here in the Midwest, in a way that is always dignified and and charitable. Uh, but we cannot be afraid of just you know our own feelings, our own opinions, and, and really sharing those in a spirit of authenticity. So good to share these thoughts with you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. A bless.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next
1: time, and God bless.